Welcome to Friendly Words, the sermon podcast of Pratt Friends Church in Pratt, Kansas. The message you're about to hear was originally preached at Pratt Friends Church on Sunday, May 15, 2022. It focuses on Micaiah's faithfulness to God when delivering God's prophetic word to King Ahab. The message to all who will listen is be careful to stick with the truth when communicating with others. Now, here is Pastor Mike Neifert. You ready to hear God's word? I hope so. That's what we're here for. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you poured out your spirit on men in the Old Testament to get your word to your people, to the kings, those who were doing good and those who were straying from you, and that now, because of what Jesus has done, you pour out your spirit on your people so that they can hear you directly, so that when we go to your word, that we hear you speaking to us, and you can give us guidance in each moment. We thank you that you live within us by your spirit. God, help us to be grateful for that gift of the Holy Spirit, his direction, his correction, his conviction, all those things that you give us through your spirit. Help us to be grateful today that they're for us, and not just for a limited number of people, not just for your prophets, not just for the king, but that all of us can experience your presence. God, help us to hear your word now and to go from this place with the Spirit walking with us to give us guidance and how to live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I know loads and loads of old songs. Well, they're old now. I'm not sure how old they were when I learned them. They were all new to me as a kid when my mom sang them to me. I'll bet a few of you know one or two of these little ditties. I'll start with this one, which I remember vividly. Maresy dotes and dozy dotes and little lambsy divey, kiddledy divey too, wouldn't you? Yeah. I always felt like I was singing in a foreign language, especially that kiddledy divey too part, you know, I thought maybe it was Gaelic. Actually, I probably didn't know about Gaelic at the time. Anyway. Uh, there was also this song that my mom sang while I was learning to drive. Drifting along like the tumbling tumbleweed. <laughs> it's very appropriate because I didn't always use just my lane. Sometimes I use the shoulder, sometimes I use the other people's lanes. You know how that goes. All right, one more song, and you can sing with me on this one if you like. Every party needs a pooper, that's why I'm inviting you, party pooper. Party pooper. All right, great song, don't you think? And very true to life. Yeah, there's always a party pooper out there. It's like if your mom shows up at a party that you plan for your... Um, well, I'm talking about as a teenager, if your mom shows up for the party. Not if you're 50 years or older, older, and your mom shows up. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, okay. All right. Well, believe it or not, when we get to the story of the prophet whose life we're going to learn about today... The party pooper song is going to come back to haunt us. Just telling you. It's going to come to mind. Last week's prophet we talked about, uh, we talked about Elijah as he spoke to King Ahab, the wicked king who ruled over the northern tribes for quite some time. This week we're going to focus on another prophet who, like Elijah, prophesied during Ahab's reign. There's a good chance this time, though, that you have never heard of the prophet in question. Does the name Micaiah, ring a bell. Okay, maybe one or two of you. 
Uh, he's not somebody that I think about all the time, but I do remember the story as I'm going through the Old Testament. I go, oh yeah, there's this great story. Whether or not you've heard his name, taking time to focus on Micaiah's story, brief as this, will be, I believe, well worth our time together today and the effort that it takes to go back and find it. There's some pretty fun things that happen or that are included in the text along with some profound lessons that we need to learn together as God's people. At the end of last week's message about God's provision for Elijah and the Sidonian widow, I briefly mentioned a task or two or three which God gave to Elijah after their quiet whisper encounter. God's word to this man is found in 1 Kings 19, verses 15 to 16, and I'm going to read it for you since I didn't actually quote the passage last week, but just kind of told you that that's what took place. The verses I'm reading are 1 Kings 19, 15 to 16. Here's what it says. The Lord said to him, that is to Elijah, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from abel Maholah to precede you as prophet. Now, the only task of these three, which was carried out immediately, was the anointing of Elisha to succeed Elijah as prophet of the Lord. Interestingly, it is Elisha who does the other two anointings. He's the one who anoints the king of Aram. He's the one who anoints Jehu. Not sure why that took place or why the word was passed from Elijah on to Elisha. All we know is that that's what happens. The record shows that those anointings took place after Elijah was caught up to heaven in the chariot of fire and the mantle of prophecy fell upon Elisha. That amazing event is still sometime in the future when we first meet Micaiah, one of a series of pass-through prophets who show up at the right moment to play a part in the unfolding of God's plan for confronting and dethroning Ahab, the vile man on the throne in Samaria. Before we look at Micaiah's moment in the sun, let me tell you the situation that Israel finds itself in. The ten northern tribes have been under attack by the Arameans, a perennial foe. David had defeated this people group during his reign, repelling repeated assaults. The Arameans had also dogged Solomon during his years on the throne. In a strange twist, during King Asa's reign in Judah, the Arameans were allied with the southern tribes against Israel. As you'll see in a bit, that alliance was not long-lasting. Want to hear something crazy? During Ahab's early days, he defeated this people's army twice. God sent prophets to tell him how to win this victory. You can find the story in 1 Kings chapter 20. There's a prophet that plays a pretty major role in Israel's win over the Aramean horde. And another who, at God's command, confronts and condemns Ahab for entering into a peace treaty with Benadad, the king of Aram, after one of those defeats. In exchange for a return of a number of cities which the Aramean army had stolen from Israel and opening the Aramean markets in Damascus to Israel's merchants, Ahab let Benadad live. All this sets the stage for the entrance of Micaiah into the annals of Jewish history. He's going to show up very soon, I promise, but before he does, 
I need to read the first section of 1 Kings chapter 22. Verses 1 through 6 introduce the crisis which brings Micaiah into Ahab's presence. So here's what 1 Kings 22, 1 through 6 says. For three years there was no war between Aram and Israel. So there's that peace treaty it's holding. But in the third year, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went down to see the king of Israel. The king of Israel had said to his officials, Don't you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us, and yet we are doing nothing to retake it from the king of Aram? So he asked Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight against Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, First seek the counsel of the Lord. So the king of Israel, that's Ahab still, so the king of Israel brought together the prophets, about 400 men, and asked them, Shall I go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? Go, they answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. Now, when I read about Ramoth Gilead and heard Ahab and Jehoshaphat talking about the Aramean occupation of the city, I wondered, was this city among those Benadad had promised to return to Israel when he made the treaty with Ahab? And maybe that's why he was concerned about the fact that it was not back in Israel's hands. I looked for answers, but once in a while, this is what happens? I don't know. Couldn't find any. It's just the way we go. Yeah, that's history. It's good to look for those things, but I couldn't find anything. What I did find is this. Ramoth Gilead was an important city, one which had been designated by God years earlier as a city of refuge, a place where a man among God's people who'd accidentally killed another could flee to escape the exacting of retribution by a family member of the dead man. To have this kind of city unavailable for this purpose was a big deal in Israel. It's likely because of this noteworthiness that Jehoshaphat and Ahab both believe the city must be restored to God's people. They believe it strongly enough to put aside differences and go to war together against Aram. Remember, I told you that, that treaty between Israel and Aram was not going to last long. It didn't. Here we are. It's being broken. But before they call their troops together, Jehoshaphat insists that they first ask God what he thinks of their plans. King Ahab agrees and brings forward a bunch of prophets who predict victory for the united armies of Israel and Judah. Now I want you to notice something in verse 6, something about these prophets. The prophets who have been called to speak to the kings are not prophets from God. The phrase of the Lord is conspicuously missing in the description of this mass of men. All 400 of these guys speak in the Lord's name at the end of the verse, but they are not speaking for him or under his direction. Their words are their own. They're babbling away, representing the baby cow idols which King Jeroboam had set up years ago and which Ahab continued to worship. What's happening does not sit well with Jehoshaphat. He wants to hear from God, and he recognizes that these guys are not speaking for him. So in the next verses, he insists on finding a man who will speak the Lord's words and not his own. Let's read some more of the passage. Picking up where we left off, we read the following in 1 Kings 22, 7-18. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? The king of Israel, that's Ahab, 
Answered Jehoshaphat, there is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. The king should not say such a thing, Jehoshaphat replied. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, bring Micaiah, son of Imlah, at once. That's my interpretation of his tone. Dressed in their royal robes, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance to the gate of Samaria with all the prophets prophesying before them. Now Zedekiah, son of Kenanah, had made iron horns, and he declared, This is what the Lord says, With these you will gore the Arameans until they are destroyed. All the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, they said, For the Lord will give it into the king's hand. The messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, Look, the other prophets without exception are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. When he arrived, the king asked him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or not? Attack and be victorious, he answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. The king, this is Ahab, said to him, how many times must I make you swear to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? I didn't read that quite right, but you got it. When Micaiah answered, I saw all Israel scatter on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, these people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you that he never prophesies anything good about me, but only bad? Every party needs a pooper. That's why I'm inviting you. <laughs> I told you it was going to come back. Micaiah is the ultimate godly party pooper. Ahab nails it when he says in verse 8, I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. Hmm. Micaiah has evidently been calling the king out on other issues for some time. This is the first we know of him, but evidently he's been speaking to the king. He's spoken bad things about the king enough times to annoy Ahab. Why does Micaiah always predict bad things, always say bad things, always confront the king? Because Ahab is always doing evil things. He's in rebellion against God. God is therefore seeking to depose the king. God wants this wicked ruler dethroned. Micaiah is doing God's work. He's not promoting himself out of self-interest, but faithfully speaking God's word. You've caught that he said, I can only speak what God says. Only speak what the Lord tells me to say. You know, I'm always aware that I need to be faithful to God's word and not speak anything that would detract from his word. I don't get to choose what I say without restriction. I play a role in the church which requires me to obey God when deciding what to say and what not to say. And I, I'm sure that occasionally get a little out of whack, but I'm doing my best to stay within the bounds that the Spirit gives me. You are bound in the same ways when teaching kids or grandkids or any other person. Be faithful to God's word always. Always say what he says. Don't stray from what God has given by his Spirit and in his word. All right, I have to admit, I like Micaiah. He's the kind of guy that I'd like to be. I wish all who preached in the church would be as careful with God's word as he was and as cleverly sarcastic. Maybe. 
Well, our man has more to say. So let's return to the text. Once again, we're picking up right where we left off. This is what we have in 1 Kings 22, 19 to 23. Micaiah continued, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the multitudes of heaven standing around him on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab into attacking Ramoth Gilead and going to his death there? One suggested this and another that. Finally, a spirit came forward, stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. By what means, the Lord asked. I will go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all his prophets, he said. You will succeed in enticing him, said the Lord. Go and do it. So now the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all these prophets of yours. The Lord has decreed disaster for you. What an interesting behind-the-scenes look at what's going on in heaven, in the throne room of God. We learned that even the deceiving spirits which are predicting victory were under God's orders. He approved their out-and-left-field scheme in order to bring about the end of Ahab's disastrous reign. Now, a lot of people imagine that God and the devil are equals, but they are not. God is far above Satan. He rules over all things. We as believers have no reason to fear what evil spirits might do because we are God's children and no harm can come to us without his permission and for his purposes. But if, on the other hand, you are not a believer in Jesus, if you are in rebellion against God, then you ought to beware. That's the message here and in the New Testament. John, after he has taken us through Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus at night, gives us these familiar words in John 3, 16 to 21. You know there's more than just verse 16, right? And the context matters a lot. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Woohoo! For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Woohoo! Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Yeah, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. That's Jesus coming into the world. But people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, as Ahab hated Micaiah, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Condemnation awaits those who are unwilling to submit to God. The call for every man, woman, and child on planet Earth is always to repent of sin and submit to God's rule. It was the call of God through the prophets sent in the Old Testament. It is the call of the apostles in the New. The word to you and me is this. Trust in Jesus for salvation. Let the Spirit lead into all truth. How do the false prophets respond to Micaiah's exposure of their messages, deceiving spirit inspiration? That's what the next section we're going to read tells us about. Take a look at verses 24 to 28. 1 Kings 22, 24 to 28 says this. Then Zedekiah, son of Canana, went up and slapped Micaiah in the face. Which way did the spirit from the Lord go when he went from me to speak to you, he asked. Micaiah replied, you will find out on the day you go to hide in a, in a room. The king of Israel then ordered, take Micaiah and send him back to Ammon, the ruler of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, 
This is what the king says. Put this fellow in prison and give him nothing but bread and water until I return safely. Micaiah declared, if you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he added, mark my words, all you people. This is such a crazy scene. One of the offended false prophets slaps Micaiah. The thoroughly deceived man is sure that he's in the right. Where does Micaiah get off suggesting differently? Those who are unfaithful to God and to his words are not happy when they're called out. When it's pointed out that their message does not match with what God's word says. Their response is often as over the top as this one is. They shake their heads at those who teach the truth. They slander them and suggest wrong motives. They do all that's in their power to discredit the truth speakers. They question whether God meant what God clearly meant. It's like the serpent in the garden. Did God really say? In the end, however, those who are faithful to God and speak as he directs will be shown to be true. Micaiah says to the people, mark my words. And the people do. They're going to know whether this man of God's prediction comes to pass. When it does, they will know that he had spoken by the Spirit. All this, of course, leads us to the final chapter in Ahab's life. 1 Kings 22, 29-38 brings everything to a close. Let me read these verses for you. Again, 29-38, through 38, chapter 22. So the king of Israel, Ahab, and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up to Ramoth-Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will enter the battle in disguise, but you wear your royal robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Now the king of Aram had ordered his 32 chariot commanders, do not fight with anyone small or great except the king of Israel. When the chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat, they thought, surely this is the king of Israel. So they turned to attack him, but when Jehoshaphat cried out, the chariot commanders saw that he was not the king of Israel and stopped pursuing him. But someone drew his bow at random and hit the king of Israel between the sections of his armor. The king told his chariot driver, wheel around and get me out of the fighting. I've been wounded. All day long the battle raged, and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Arameans. The blood from his wound ran onto the floor of the chariot, and that evening he died. As the sun was setting, a cry spread through the army, every man to his town, every man to his land. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried him there. They washed the chariot at the pool in Samaria, where the prostitutes bathed, and the dogs licked up his blood as the word of the Lord had declared. Ahab's life comes to a bloody end. He had done much evil. God judged him and he died. His blood spilled out in the exact way Elijah predicted in 1 Kings 21. Yeah, chapter before this. Listen to what Ahab is told by Elijah in chapter 21, verses 17 to 19. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He is now in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. Say to him, this is what the Lord says, Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, this is what the Lord says, In the place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. God is serious about sin. He is more than able to judge it rightly. 
Let us be as serious about our wrongdoings as God is, hating the evil that we do purposefully or foolishly without thought. May God help us to overcome. What do we learn from Micaiah's brief appearance in Israel's historical narrative? Faithfulness is vital when it comes to God's word. None of us can treat God's word lightly and be held guiltless. God judges those who speak falsely in his name and shows favor to those who follow his direction. We also learn of God's power over Satan and his use of even his enemies to bring about his will. None can thwart God. And we learn that judgment is certain for those who've chosen rebellion against God and who are unrepentant. The question then is this. Will you be faithful to God? Taking his word seriously, obeying it, whatever the cost, or will you choose your own way, speaking deceitfully, twisting God's word to your own ends? The first way leads to life, the second to destruction. I want to urge you to seriously consider your ways. As we take a few moments in silence now to respond to God, is the way that you're following the way that leads to life? Believe on Jesus and follow him in the power of his spirit and the ways that the Spirit reveals through his word, the Bible, and by his direct guidance. This is the way to salvation. Think on what God has given us in his word as we pause now, just for a moment of reflection. God, protect us from deceiving spirits. From the spirit of the sage that would tell us that what your word says is not true anymore. From spirits that would say what is good is evil and what is evil is good. Help us to hold fast to your word even when it's uncomfortable for us in conversation or when it's uncomfortable because we'd rather do what we want to do. Pray that your spirit would convict us and correct us and train us in righteousness. God, help us to be faithful to you, and not to our own desires, but to yours. In Jesus' name. We hope you have been encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. If you want to hear each week's message, be sure to subscribe to Friendly Words in your podcast app. May God bless you as you follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit.